You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. Cole Caulfield, a pass down low, centered across, and Suzuki stopped by Copley. That's the best one. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Misplays the puck, shorthanded. Here's Deneau for more, more. Streaking to the right circle, a shot, he scores! Another shorthanded goal for the Kings, Trevor Moore. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. It's Monday, so that means we're crowning a King of the Week. Dan Greenspan is here to help me out with that today. But first, Cohen Zemer was drafted in the third round, 78th overall in the 2023 NHL entry draft by the LA Kings. The Alberta native currently has 31 points in 19 games for the Prince George Cougars of the WHL, and watching his play has been described as an ivy drip of often unpenalized violence. The reason we're bringing it all up today? Well, on November 18th, Cohen Zemer signed his three-year entry-level contract with the LA Kings, and he joins us on today's episode to talk about the last few months of his hockey career. But first, first, you can listen to replays of Kings Talk, the LA Kings post-game radio show hosted by yours truly on the LA Kings Audio Insider podcast feed, and keep up with the Ontario Rain on the Rain Check podcast feed. That is the official podcast of the Ontario Rain. All that and more at lakings.com slash podcast. And finally, I encourage you to write in with your own non-hockey questions for me to ask a random player in the locker room. And you can continue to do so at kingsmenpodcast at gmail.com. Today, Alex Laferriere answers one of your submitted questions. If you could chrome one other part of the uniform, what would it be? Oof. I don't know. That's a good one. Um, maybe if we had like sh- like pants, like shells to put over, that'd be kind of cool. I think. Chrome, yeah, chrome. yeah, chrome breezers. Yeah, I like it. Joining us now from Prince George, Alberta, LA Kings prospect Cohen Zemer. How are you doing today, Cohen? Good. How are you guys? Excellent. Uh, also, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing today, Jack? Doing well, Jess. So, Cohen, when you talked to us this summer, you said that the team that you spoke to the most during the drafting process, the scouting process, was the LA Kings. You said that it was n- your number one choice of team to wind up with. You did get drafted by the LA Kings. You've just signed your entry-level contract, so I was hoping you could sort of walk us through like how much time passed between the draft and between the first conversation about signing that contract. Yeah, I actually uh, knew nothing about the contractor or if it was coming or not. I actually right. was in Canadian Tire with with my dad. He was up for a weekend, so I uh, worked out good. And I got a call from my agent saying that uh, we they wanted to get a deal done with me. So, uh, yeah, I was pumped pumped to get that call. How long did it take you to say yes to that one? <laughs> uh, not too long. It was pretty much just some some number stuff and stuff like that with my agents throughout the day, and then uh, signed the contract the next day. When you sign a contract, there's so much to look back on in terms of who you're thankful to or who got you to where you are this day. You know, when it comes to that topic, you know, who are people that you think, you know, ultimately got you to where you are today when it comes to coaches, parents, et cetera? Yeah, I think the, obviously the biggest, biggest part of my life was my parents. I think they, they spent a lot of time and money into, into me. And, uh, growing up, we, we didn't play. Or the high level hockeys weren't close to where I lived. So it was an hour and a half drive for practices sometimes. And, uh, we spent a lot of time on the road. So, uh, it, it was pretty cool. But, uh, ultimately I have everything to give towards them. So then at what point, 
I mean, when you're five years old, there's no realistic thought about the NHL. But when you're 17, obviously, it's a serious. At what point in that process did you and your family start having the conversation? Is the NHL draft a realistic possibility? I think it was uh, leading up to my my WHL draft year. I think uh, I was one of the top prospects in 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 the draft, and I think that's when I really clicked in my mind that it was a possibility and uh, that I wanted to continue chasing my goal of that. And then now it's obviously just one step closer to that. So you wear number thirteen. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Jack Jablonski also famously wore number thirteen. So uh, <laughs> why choice. number thirteen? Uh, I don't know, actually. I just kind of grew up, uh, wearing number 13. It was, uh, I was number four my first year playing hockey because I was four years old. But uh, after that, I, I switched to 13 and, and haven't really looked back from there and just been it my whole life. So not the same reason as Jack. Yeah. <laughs> What's no, Jack's reason? For my reason, it was Pavel Datsuk. Um, okay. So, so Datsuk was obviously someone that I looked up to when I was playing, but I am curious to know in terms of, you know, your style of play, who was someone that you grew up idolizing or trying to, you know, play your game around or, or add certain things that X, Y, or Z did in the NHL? Yeah, I think uh, the guy I really grew up watching was Crosby. He was just my favorite player, but a guy I really modeled my game after the last couple of years was like a Jerome McGinley. Mm-hmm. I think I got a, a lot of similarities to him, just uh, not the best skater, but uh, his skill and toughness made up for it. And I think that's that's one thing I can bring to is is my skill and toughness. You told us this summer that uh, you grew up in a small town, so you only listen to country music. <laughs> Are you also a wrestling fan by any chance? I'm not a wrestling fan, no. All right, more, well, that's more perfect. A, then I don't have to... I'm more of a steer wrestling at the rodeos. That's my kind of thing. <laughs> All right. Well, then I don't have to explain who Ted Irvine is for, uh, for you. <laughs> but uh, there was going to be a long-winded way of asking you. Uh, you're born on December 8th. Do you know which current member of the LA Kings you share a birthday with? Uh, I think it's Drew Doughty. That, All right. Kid knows his stuff already. Yeah. Did Drew, that's the next question at media for us, Jesse, is did Drew pick eight for his birthday or what? Oh, he 100% did. Yeah. Yeah, there's that, eights all that, over that kid's life. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, talking about Sidney Crosby, you signed to 8.7. Yeah, 8.7. Yeah. For, Drew Doughty yeah. was like born on December 8th, drafted in 2008. I can't remember the other ones, but um, are you superstitious like that at all, Cohen? Uh, I'm not towards like things like that. Like I'm superstitious before a game. Like I'll wear a certain suit. Uh, if yeah. it clicks that night or we have a big win or something, I'll wear that suit again for the next game until yeah. out of the streak, streak ends. Say, same jock strap as Crosby your whole life. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really sticky about gear too. I hate getting new gear. I was uh, the same way. Yeah. I had this my trainer actually had to throw out my one pair of shoulder pads one year because they were from novice or something. <laughs> he said that that wouldn't fly here, so I got new ones then. Uh yeah. at the time of this recording, you guys are tied for best record in the league. Um how do you feel the season's going? Yeah, we've got a really good team this year. I think we 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 have a good mix of young and old guys, and I think uh, throughout the years we've we've kind of got a winning attitude coming. So uh, we've obviously won one round of playoffs last year, kind of got that under our belt. But this year's a uh, mix of more young guys too, so they're kind of following what the older guys do. And uh, obviously, our record speaks for itself how we've been doing this year. You talk about that experience of of getting one round of playoffs in and, and knowing what to expect. I think another area of experience for you is is being around training camp and seeing a lot of the pros 
that of, you know, won multiple Stanley Cups here with the Kings. What is something that stuck out to you in your experience that you've been able to take to Prince George for this season? Yeah, I think just how the games translate from from pro to junior, I think it's a lot it's a lot different and it's harder. It's actually really hard for me going back from from pro to to junior this year and just kind of get back into that pace. Uh, uh it's a lot different and and for sure, but uh I think just the speed of the game and, and uh, how big the guys are and stuff like that. So I was just trying to bring what I learned from from training camp back to 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 junior here. Didn't you score in your first game back when you rejoined uh, the Cougars this year? Uh, I did, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> it sounds pretty time. tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tough Seriously. adjustment period, yeah. Um, the Kings currently have, I think it was five players I figured out that were drafted in the last five or six years. Do you have uh, relationships with any of the younger guys in the system, whether they're currently playing for the Kings or the Reign or on other junior teams? Yeah, so at training camp, I actually met met up with uh, Laferriere there. We, we've uh, kept in touch for the last uh, couple of months here. So does the fact that he was able to go to training camp, uh, nobody really expected him to make a roster. Or if he was, I think a lot of people expected him maybe to play on the top line in Ontario. There's an injury, there's a suspension, and then now all of a sudden his NHL career is up and running. Does that, you know, have you talked to him about their expectation, what it was that he did that was allowed him to step into that spot? Yeah, I think you just got to think about it like you've always got to be ready. I think you never know when when your opportunity is going to come and stuff like that. So I think uh, 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 to get the opportunity and to make the most of it's the biggest thing. How would you describe your game? Yeah, I think I'm uh, a, a decent skater. I've kind of worked on my skating, but uh, I think I'm a power forward uh, with skill to back that up as well. I think uh, I'm not afraid to get to the dirty areas. I like playing low in, in the zone, and uh, I like mixing up a little. I'm not afraid to to fight a little bit here and there. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, the biggest part of my game is is my my scoring ability. I've been able to score my whole life, and uh, hopefully that translates to the next level. So Jim Fox is the Kings color commentator. He used to play for the team has been a longtime broadcaster and he and I sit there and watch practice all the time and argue about the finer details of the game. And for years he would tell me that once you're 18, your skating is sort of set. You are who you are as a skater. It's important to work on your craft, et cetera, but he never really expected to see much improvement out of guys. And then all of a sudden this year, or maybe it was last year, he says, Oh, you know what? I think I might've been wrong. Because Arthur Kaliev has really been working on his skating, and I'm seeing dramatic improvement from Arthur Kaliev. When you're going to that first development camp, are they asking you, are they pinpointing different parts of your game? Like, hey, listen, kid, you've got a good shot, but it could be better. You're a decent skater, but it could be better. Like, are they laying out, here's what we want you working on between now and the next time we see you. Here's where we think your ceiling is. How how, how deep under the hood are they getting? Yeah, I think one thing that we talked about during training camp is just how I how I can become a better skater and how uh from my draft here until training camp there even was uh my skating has gotten better. Uh that's that's the thing I know is my weakness of my game is my skating. So uh that's one thing that I, I'm really working on. You reference, you know, knowing that they've talked to you about you know improving that skating. Obviously the Kings of a, a well established development team in terms of you know obviously as a forward for you with like mike donnelly and and jared Stoll. how much communication do you have with them throughout the season and, and even in the uh off season yeah so i actually talked to stolzy the other day we were in playing this in saskatchewan there and he came to two of our games there so uh, i talked to him there and just 
about things that I need to be working on and, and stuff that I need to do. And uh, he gives me some pretty good feedback as well to, to what I need to be doing. Now, we know we don't know all the details, but we know that the team definitely has, you know, a, a robust development staff that, you know, they'll talk to you about the skating. They'll talk to you about the shooting. But are, are there also resources available to you now if you're, you know, I don't want to make it seem this um, minor, but like if you're going through a rough patch or if you want to know the the non on ice part of the game are there resources that the kings have made available to you to, yeah to there is there's, there's some i don't know what the term is but like uh, a psychologist uh someone to talk to all the time and then they've got off ice trainers that that are always there to talk to and uh dietitians and stuff like that so uh they're really good that way for for being able to use my resources around me and you were drafted by the kings but you're playing in the WHL so obviously there's a whole there's an entire league of, you know, allegiances and your teammates and everything, but you guys come from other leagues, development leagues, so you've got those teams, bunch of your, you know, teammates and opponents are going to have been drafted by other NHL teams. Does that ever cross over? Are you ever looking out for other guys that were drafted by rivals of the Kings, drafted by the Kings, you know, teammates who are going to wind up on the Ducks or the Sharks or the Golden Knights or anything like that? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty cool being able to play against like a lot of guys I grew up playing against and uh, some with, and uh, just seeing where they end up in different organizations kind of uh, bug them about uh, if they're on a rival team against like the Ducks or something. But actually, one of my good teammates and uh, good buddies here, Riley Height, was drafted by Minnesota, so uh, we we give each other the business every once in a while. Jack is pumping the air because he's a Minnesota boy. <laughs> Big fan of Riley. You can let him know. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned um, Jerome Aginla as a player that you idolized. You're from Alberta. Is there a fraternity of Albertan hockey players out there that the rest of us don't know about? Yeah, I think lots lots of Alberta kids are, are farm kids growing up. So I think that's where lots of the – like my, my training in the summers was always carrying – pails of grain for my grandpa no uh, driving, and driving tractors and, and working on the farm so uh, i think that's where lots of alberta kids are, are growing up for hockey any contact with the sutter family uh my draft year i talked to to brent sutter a lot because he was he's the owner works in red deer there uh, i talked to him quite a bit in my draft year just uh for questionnaires and stuff like that so uh, that's the only really really sutter that i've that i've talked to before hey. You mentioned the, the, you know, obviously the the moving of different things on the farm. What kind of muscles are we working with in terms of gaining improvements over the summer by by spending life on the farm? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was mostly arms for me. I was carrying yeah. grain and uh, holding up ladders and stuff like that growing up. And I actually lived on a big hill, so I did a lot of cardio up and down that mountain. Yeah, obviously now, you know, you've established, you know, your hockey career. What does a summer look like for you? You know, obviously we've got training camp, you know, development camp in the summers, but, you know, what does your summer look like last year in terms of where you're at, what you're working on life? Are you still on the farm right now or, or what's life like? Yeah, so we lived on an acreage. I didn't actually have a farm. My, my family didn't, but my uh, uncle and grandpa both had big cattle farms. So uh, we, we lived on an acreage. 10 minutes from them and uh, we actually ended up selling our acreage last year and moving to the city for uh, my sister's volleyball player so she was playing billeting for volleyball 
uh, during the school year. And then I would come home for summer and I'd be billeting in, in the city for training and skating and stuff. So uh, I decided to sell the farm and, and uh, move to the city. So yeah, it's uh, pretty much five days, five days a week working out and skating as much as I can during the summer. Was it relief when you, when they sold the farms that you didn't have to go back and keep doing the arms? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not much of a city kid. It's not my favorite thing, but, uh, well, Los Angeles is a city. Yeah, you got drafted by the wrong team. (laughs) 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 Although I gotta say, uh, in fairness, LA isn't really a city. It really isn't. About a hundred different cities smaller communities yeah, exactly. you know stitched together with chewing gum and uh and paper clips the warm weather is going to be a little different for me i think i like that part yeah are you a cold weather guy i mean i grew up in minnesota and the second i left yeah it's this year it's been really warm here but uh last year there's been a couple of dumps that were like four feet of snow and uh, minus 40 weather so it's uh it's going to be a big change oh. there yeah you're not going to get that here um <laughs> you mentioned uh jerome Ginla as a, a favorite of yours as a kid he ranks third all time in points by players born in alberta can you name the highest scoring player ever oh. in nhl history to have been born in alberta oh i have no clue actually i'll give you a hint he won the stanley cup six times with two different teams i don't even know who's from alberta i could probably name canadians <laughs> <laughs> well he is definitely canadian he uh he played for the Oilers. Oh, Mark Messier. There you go. Ah, that's what uh, my what? head was too, yeah. <laughs> Got it, yeah. Mark Messier. And then uh this is way before my time, so way before your guys' time, uh Johnny Buchik, uh second, and then Jerome Ginla third. So <laughs> hopefully someday we'll be talking about Cohen Zemer's name up there with those guys. Hopefully. That's the goal. Cohen, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks guys for having me. Congrats on the contract. And I'd say happy Thanksgiving, but you're Canadian. So it was a month ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a month ago. It was past. Right. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you guys. Or joining me to crown the king of the week this week, Dan Greenspan. How are you doing today, Dan? Uh, let me be the last to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving <laughs> and the first to wish them, what can I wish them? Val- happy Valentine's Day, Happy Arbor Day. Yeah, in this household, we we celebrate Happy Honda Days. So, welcome the return <laughs> of a re- reasonably geographic sensible athletic conferences yes. in the mid twenty thirties. So, uh, Dan covers uh, the NHL specifically, the LA Kings for NHL dot com, as well as another other outlets, and you can find him in the press box for uh, most, if not all, Kings games. So, Dan, a big week. Uh, for the Kings this week. Now, ordinarily, I go down to Anaheim for the Ducks games. Were you in Anaheim mm-hmm. for that Ducks game? I was not. I actually okay. took off both of the games. Oh, good uh, for you. <laughs> this, this week. Oh, all right. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> Calling you I still work. watch, but, you know, just, the less travel, the less commuting, the better. Absolutely. So a huge week for the Kings. They go 3-0 and with wins over uh, Arizona, Anaheim, and Montreal, the first time they shut out Montreal at home, which was a wild statistic, as I heard Nick Nixon say it at the end of the broadcast. Um, It seems like at some point in their 50-plus year history, they should have shut Montreal out at home, but I guess they probably only play them once a year, so there's really so so many opportunities. That's one of those statistical anomalies, but like... I, I I had a uh, conversation with somebody who's not in sports the other day, and and I said the reason we all keep coming back, despite the low pay, the miserable hours, the uh, 
conditions that will are not conducive to a healthy lifestyle is the games you know you you literally might see something that's never happened before anytime you go out to to cover a game and that's the best part somebody i've had various versions of this conversation over the years but somebody asked me recently wow you must really love it and i said nah and they were like, nah. And I said, yeah, no, nah, I'm not even sure I really like it. I just, my brain is hardwired to think only about <laughs> it. So I can't, at this point, I just can't do anything else. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm sorry. I mean, it was just, of course, an oversimplification. I do love it. And there are tons of elements of it that I do love. But yeah, at some point, it is just the, you'll see something you've never seen before. So let's get into the three games. Dan, we're going to start with you for the honorable mention for King of the Week this week. Who is your honorable mention? I think our top two are going to be pretty I'll be stunned so if they're not the same. It's yeah. figuring out the other two spots. Correct. Uh, I will tip my cap to Andre Kopitar. Okay. Who, another solid week, scored against Arizona. And I think he had an ass- Oh, he had a, a goal and an assist against Anaheim. And just another... Another week in Andre Kopitar land. He continues to be exceptional both ends of the ice. Continues to put up points. One of the absolute best. Enjoy him while we have him, folks, because he is he is exceptional. Yeah, ho-hum, three games, two goals and assists, three points, plus three, 54.2 in the face-off dot. Andre Kopitar was absolutely in contention for my pick for honorable mention because he's just, as you said, he's exceptional. Um but I put it up to a vote on Twitter because I was having trouble making up my mind. And as soon as I saw which direction the vote was clearly going, I went, I smacked my forehead and I said, oh, yeah, of course. Because Kevin Fiala's two goals against the Ducks were maybe not particularly important because of the opponent. But personally, it was delightful to watch him score against two against the Ducks. And his second goal, I believe it was. Somebody on Twitter went and found uh, the highlight reel of Kopitar's first career goal and Mm -hmm. put it, stacked it on top of Kevin Fiala's goal. And it really is just the same goal. I mean, Kopitar peels off the wall a little bit sooner than, than Fiala does, but they both make the same move out in front. They both score from about the same spot on the ice. It's even the end. It's even the same end of the ice. Um, not that Kopitar and Fiala have any sort of karmic connection, not that it should matter that that was Kopitar's first goal. This certainly won't be the last goal of uh, Fiala's career, so there's no, like, baton passing or, or bookending going on. But, you know, listen, it's the Ducks, and it was a holiday weekend, and it was the first game of back-to-back, so Kevin Fiala um, looking very comfortable on that line with Moore and Deneau also had two goals and an assist and three points. Um, didn't have all the face-off wins, obviously, that Andre Kopitar did, but I'm going with Kevin Fiala for my uh, honorable mention. Yeah, he was another a guy under consideration for honorable mention or third spot. And mm-hmm. look, it wasn't the sharpest start of the season for Kevin. You know, I think he would admit it, that he got a little sloppy with the puck at times. But, you know, the Kings brought him in because they needed that proven point producer, and he's a difference maker. He is, and I think that if anybody ever wanted to have the argument about whether or not point production was a sufficient judge of a player's impact, the first 20 games of this season 
for Kevin Fiala should be a case study to end that conversation. Because every single person, Fiala included, was looking at the team's points and saying, yeah, okay, he has whatever it was at any given moment in time, 13 points in 14 games or 16 points in 15 games, whatever it is. Head coach Todd McClellan said it. Kevin Fiala himself said it. Yes, he's putting up the points. But the consistency needs to improve. The you know the game management needs to improve. Kevin Fiala said he needed to be better. Since those conversations took place and since he and Pierre-Luc Dubois were split up, he has been better. And that line to know more in Fiala has been incredibly dangerous. And uh, now he's tied for you know points with Adrian Kempe, both of them at 20 points in 19 games. And now that some of those errors are being you know ironed out of the game, he is he is becoming that player that they all wanted him to be. All right, Dan, your runner up, and this is where uh, all the all the disagreement is going right out the window. I suspect. Yeah, I've I've got Phoenix Copley as the runner up. I also have Phoenix. A great Copley week. <laughs> a great week for him. Stopped. Uh, 48 of 49 shots in his two wins. And look, he needed some really good performances, just I think for his confidence more than anything. Because you look at the first first four games of the season, five allowed, three allowed, three allowed and pulled, four allowed. Like he Cam Talbot's clearly the number one if yeah. healthy, based on the way things have shaken out. But you need a guy who can step up and and win you some games and like, yeah, they'd won a few in those first couple starts, but it was because of the offense and Phoenix needed a performance like this and he put together two of them. So kudos to him for a great week. I frequently wonder in a market like LA are members of the LA Kings aware of the conversations that happen within the fan community, because it's not like Toronto or Montreal where the conversation that happens in the fan community happens on the radio, on the TV, 24-7, you can't escape it. Um, anybody who's read uh, Ken Dryden's book, he talks about the, you know, the the air changes in Montreal after a loss. So I'm always wondering, you know, would a player like Phoenix Copley be aware of some of the things that people were saying online? Because the turnaround between Phoenix Copley saved the season and, you know, we're anticipating a huge, I mean, there I've seen some accounts, you know, probably tongue-in-cheek calling for a Vezina-type season from Phoenix Copley, to within 10 games of the season talking about shipping him out and getting rid of him and keep him off the roster. And, you know, every backup goalie, every AHL goalie who sneezes into a mask is suddenly a candidate to replace him. So I agree with you. Um, just for just for the purpose of shutting down those conversations, whatever that value is, um, he did need it. But also he delivered four points to the LA Kings this week. He was really strong in net. He he made some timely saves. He made some important saves. Yes, he didn't have to do a ton of work against Montreal, but he but he had to do some work. You know, he wasn't just standing there not facing any shots. So uh, yeah, Phoenix Copley, an excellent choice for runner up. I felt. I think there are certain positions in sports, goalie in hockey, and quarterback in football are like even if you don't know what people are saying, the nature of the position, you know what people are saying Sure, if, if things aren't going well. So I, I'm sure that uh, for Phoenix, as much as anybody, he he needed a couple of performances like this. And, you know, look, 
it's an exceptional story. The job he did last year in saving the team was was incredible. And, you know, I, I will set aside the novelty Twitter accounts and what have you. But, sure. you know, it, you need that useful number, too. And it looks like he's rounding back into form. There was a moment oh, last the last game that Phoenix Cop we played I was I can't remember if it was Pittsburgh or you mean the uh, the overtime loss to Penguins? Yes, and I think the first question in the post game press conference was, "Have you lost faith in your goalie?" No. Why? Because we've seen him do it over and over again. He's played ah uh, what six seven periods for us this year, and we're going to lose confidence in him. Not a chance. He's a good goaltender. Our guys believe in him, and uh, it's hard when you haven't played for a while. Uh, we played back to back. He got the shitty end of the of the schedule, but that's the way it goes. And uh, would he like to have one back? Yeah, but we'd also like to have the shorthanded goal back, and that's on the team. Phoenix Cop, we you know proved why they uh, they did not lose faith in him, and a strong week from him. I know Cam Talbot appreciates it. I know Kings fans appreciate it. Pretty much everybody, but Montreal fans and Arizona Coyotes fans. Uh, so that brings us to King of the Week, and I know who you're going to say, but I'll let you say it anyway, Dan. The pride of the Conejo Valley, it is one <laughs> yeah. Trevor Moore. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be, right? He, he was incredible this week. Yeah. And, man, the, the evolution from just like a sturdy workman-like player into, you know, a really strong top six, all scenarios, scoring goals, getting assists, it's... It's an incredible job that he's done. The Kings have done developing him. It's it's a real success story. I, I desperately want to know which member of the Maple Leafs organization it really ultimately came down to. When the Kings were putting together that trade with the Maple Leafs, there had to be somebody who was looking at the ask list from the Kings and you know it finally stopped at their desk, whether it was Dubas or somebody else, and they said, Trevor Moore... Okay, fine. It's worth it, you know. Viacundi. I'm sure they wished him well. I'm sure they weren't trying to get rid of him or anything. But my God, what a blunder on their part! Because he is not only is he showing how versatile he can be and doing all the things he can do, but but he's doing it with a with a level of confidence and a commitment to everything that the team wants him to. Do. Like he's not just hot dogging out there, right? And and even talking to him. I think it was the second goal he scored against Arizona where he knocked it down out of the air, wound up for the fake shot before putting it in the back of the net. Him talking about it, he said it was at the end of his shift. He was tired. He was thinking about going back to the bench as soon as he knocked the puck out of the air. But he had to stay in and uh, and try and finish out the shift. And then it wound up resulting in a goal. I'm just going to read the stat line for the week. In three games for Trevor Moore, four goals, two assists, six points, plus three. Um, in just 16 minutes, 35 seconds, time on ice, a power play goal, a shorthanded goal, 11 shots, and moving to uh, shot attempts, 13 individual shot attempts for Trevor Moore. Just, I mean, just an incredible week for Trevor Moore, uh, Thousand Oaks native Trevor Moore. And after this game against Anaheim, I was caught thinking, well... This is going to be tough. I don't know who I'm going to pick for King of the Week this week because at that point, Copley had only played one game, but it was an incredible game. Trevor Moore had had an incredible game, and I was like, well, I just don't know what's going to happen in Montreal. This is going to be a tough week. And then Trevor Moore scored two more. I was like, all right, well, that's it's Trevor Moore. It's Trevor Moore. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's one of those things you talk about 
what happened where Toronto was willing to give him up. I <laughs> I do wonder, you know, it's the one there's the the getting the chance to look with 2020 hindsight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look, they were pushing for you know, they thought that they could contend and they made that deal with that in mind. The Kings were in a totally different space. Yep. And, you know, it's situationally, you know, you can take the same player, put him in 32 different spots, and there's going to be a wide range of results. I think having more with Philip Deneau, who is such a great two-way, 200-foot player, has unlocked parts of his game that might not have been unlocked if, you know, he's playing a bottom six role in Toronto. So I, you know, it, hindsight's twenty twenty, but he has been an absolute godsend for the Kings and, and a big reason why this team has emerged into the force it has this year. Well, and it's one of those funny things where because there were the two trades so close together with Toronto, I know I certainly get the details of which trade was which jumbled up and I have to stop and think like, well, no, okay, which trade is which trade. But if you look back on it, it's, you know, Jack Campbell, Kyle Clifford and Jake Muzzin to Toronto in exchange for Sean Dersey, Carl Grundstrom, the pick that turned into Tobias Bjornfoot, the pick that turned into Alex LaFerriere and Trevor Moore. It's just an incredible um, restocking trades, if you will. Right. Cause it's not like the Kings parted with nothing. Um, yeah, it, it's not the trade that brought Ferraro, Laferri, or, uh, Laperriere, uh, Lafayette, and uh, Norst. Well, no, maybe I'm getting those. No, I think that was the one. There was one trade where the Rangers essentially got, I think it was Churla, Curry, and that was it. And in exchange, the Kings got Ray Ferraro, Ian Laperriere, Matthias Nordstrom, and I want to say Nathan Lafayette, which is looking back on it now, you go, well, okay. I can't imagine the the Rangers got much use out of Yari Curry, and it was Shane Sherla, Yari Curry, and Marty McSorley. But those three guys were at the end of their careers: Laperriere and Nordstrom. Um, oh, I guess Ferraro wasn't in that trade. Anyway, I'm getting stuck looking backwards. The point is, great trade to get Trevor Moore. Uh, so, congratulations, Trevor Moore, this week's King of the Week. Now, Dan, I do want to get your perspective on one more topic because I've seen a lot of people mentioning the Kings record, and I know that you can't really do this. It doesn't really work this way. But at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of talk about the Kings home record before they went four, three and three. They were started out one, three and three. And everyone was talking about the home record. And Todd McClellan, I thought very correctly said, listen, you know, we had back-to-back situations. We had two lost in a shootout where we came back from behind. He didn't mention it, but I frequently did. The first game of the season, Colorado, they were literally down a man. They didn't have enough skaters. Colorado's very good. Um, there's this weird thing that happens where if it happens in the first five to ten games of a season, it somehow sets the tone and expectations for the rest of the season, even though it's... and And players and coaches say it every year, and every year I sort of dismiss it but for some reason this year i'm really clinging to it it really is just a random stretch of games that happens to be at the start of the season i think it's just you know there's such a long time between games so you know the end of one season the start of another and you're just 
the mind cannot help but <laughs> project and prognosticate and worry or you know uh, or in some cases dramatically overestimate a team's capabilities the following year so i think when you have a not great start especially against the quality of competition look they played it was colorado vegas boston in that era like the first yeah yeah like when you're playing really good teams and you're you want to see have the kings improved enough to where you can legitimately consider them in that you know top tier of stanley cup contenders and they don't play great you know it's natural to overreact so but yeah it is there is that sort of odd disconnect when when you start a season and like I said, I know you can't do this. It doesn't mean anything. However, if you remove the first two games of the season where the Kings didn't have Arthur Kaliev because he was serving out the end of his suspension, the lines were a mess. One game, they had 19 games. If you remove those two games, the Kings record since then is 13, two and two. They have an 824 point percentage, 4.06 goals, four per game, 2.06 goals against. That is the highest offense in the league and the lowest defense in the league. Um, it's, I mean, they're o- only behind New York in that span if we eliminate the first week of the season. Um, you know, we talked about it last night on Kings Talk. A bunch of people have been saying this is the best Kings team. We've seen, if not ever, then at least in many, many years, and I'm having trouble coming up with you know, an argument against it. And it just, the only reason I won't embrace it is because it makes me incredibly nervous. Well, look, I have become Mr. Wait until the postseason and see who's healthy in every sport. Because look, if, you know, God forbid, Kopitar rolls his ankle. Don't even, don't even put that into the universe. man. I mean, yeah, (laughs) look, but from where they stand, from what we've seen, the contributions from from guys like Laferriere and, and Grundstrom and sort of those bottom middle six guys that have really stepped up and really become forces to go with Kopitar and Dowdy and 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 uh, Trevor Moore and Fiala. Like this is a really well built team with four good lines that you can feel comfortable putting out at any time with with uh, six good defensemen that you can feel pretty comfortable putting out at any time with two goalies that now are both getting it done this is a really good team will that hold when we're you know at the end of april to be determined but you know enjoy it for what it is and and things look pretty damn good for the moment this is a problem that everybody would love to have, and I don't expect anybody to have any sympathy for, but it's getting really difficult to um, to generate content, which is a word that I hate, uh, about this team, because we just keep repeating ourselves. Everything you just said is 100% correct, and that's really all there is to say about it. And the conversations that I am now at a place where I would really love to have is I want to throw the hood up on the car and get inside and see how the engine's built, and the organization won't let me. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> because they don't want anybody knowing how the engine's built, and I don't blame them, frankly. It makes perfect sense. But that's where we're at now. It's like, okay, everything's working, everything's clicking, and now I want to get into why and some of the specifics on how. And at least for today, we're not having that conversation. Maybe later, yeah, maybe in the summer, 
But for today, but at some point, there will be a stretch where they drop four in a row, and then everybody will freak out. Yeah, and probably all we can do, what what you should do is clip that last like three minute segment where we, you know what we were talking right. about, and and just play it back for everybody. Yeah, playing the hits. All right, Dan Greenspan, thank you so much for joining me. You can follow Dan on Twitter at Dan Greenspan. Yeah, I don't really post there. If you want to see <laughs> pictures of the LA sports venues and the occasional concert venue, uh, at Dan Greenspan on Insta. But you know, that's more me for fun. The the social medias I've kind of learned to learned to back off, and it's better for my mental health. And Fair look, enough. if somebody wants to pay me to. <laughs> tweet or X or whatever we're calling it these days, or threads, what the other I, competitor. I not, bring I me have, an offer. I have not even opened threads on my phone since the day after I uh, downloaded <laughs> I don't think anyone's worried about that. Dan Greenspan, thank you so much for joining me. We appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah.